Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasonal musicians to discuss their life, art, and their faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview Emmett Cohen, an American pianist and composer who is considered to be one of the most dynamic young musicians on the jazz scene today. How are you doing today, Emmett? I'm wonderful. How are you doing, Leander? I can't complain, sir. Thank you for coming on the show today. And could you give give a short summary or brief details about who you are, where you're from? Sure. My name is Emmett Cohen. I'm originally from Miami, Florida, uh, but I moved up to Montclair, New Jersey, uh, and uh, at the beginning of middle school, so around age 11, 12. And uh, I went to middle school and high school in New Jersey, Montclair, and kind of got a taste of um, the the New York uh, art scene, you know, the, the culture, the the people, the it's a lot. It was a lot different than than Miami. Um, and but uh, at the end of the at the end of the high school, I was still wondering what it was like where I was from in Miami. Um, so I went back to college there to the University of Miami um, to go to school there, and uh, I had a, a great four years of getting out of New York City, getting away from everything, being able to find myself uh, personally and musically. And then I moved back uh, here in 2012. Uh, got a got a master's degree at Manhattan School of Music. Um, my first couple of years in New York, and that was a good transition into the uh, the the New York jazz scene. And, uh, you know, I became, uh, slowly became a professional musician. Um, and now I usually travel the world and play, uh, with a bunch of different people. Um, anyone from, from the, some of the jazz masters, uh, Ron Carter, George Coleman, Houston Person, um, Tootie Heath, Jimmy Cobb, people like that, uh, to, to Christian McBride, Kurt Elling, um, people from the, from Wynton Marsalis's orchestra. Um, Herlin Riley, Ali Jackson. Uh, so I'm lucky to have a wide variety of, of, of experiences and, uh, I love the music dearly and, uh, you know, so fortunate to be able to do this. Well, like I said, thank you for being on once again. And the first time I actually saw you perform was at the Detroit Jazz Festival in like 2016, roughly, I believe it was. And wow, okay. you were playing with Riley at the time, if I'm correct, but that's Herlin Riley. Yeah. Herlin Riley, yes. And what do you mainly specialize in? Trios? Quartets? Because you're doing a bit of everything. And one thing I must say is I love the Master Series. It proves like you have an old jazz soul. Like, I feel at times that you were born a tad bit late. <laughs> well, you know, you're born when you're born and you have to follow your heart. Um, so maybe, maybe, you know, maybe my job was, was, my calling was to be born in this time and connect the generations. Um, so... You know, you never know. You have to, you have to take the hand you dealt and, and do what you can with it. Um, I, you asked me what my specialty is. Um, I think a jazz musician's specialty is, is, is to be flexible, to be able to adapt, um, to be able to play with whoever, um, whoever, whoever is around and make them sound better. And that's, uh, that's, that, that, that tends to be my specialty. Um, in my eyes. And I also like to, to use my music to uplift people. And I like to uh, instill this this sense of community in in what it is I'm doing. Um, and so the music you know has always been for the people, uh, and I, I like to to play for the people 
um, and, and, and inspire listeners and make them n- never forget a moment that they hear, make them dance, make them laugh, make them cry. Uh, I think that that's what jazz is really about. It's about making people feel something. You know what? I like the definition of jazz. And in this day and age, it's still that weird line of limbo of what is jazz, what's not considered jazz. Because I know some people who don't consider smooth jazz, quote unquote, jazz music. Oh, they don't find yeah. a lot of contemporary jazz as jazz music. So at least I'm glad that you're willing to express or try other styles of music. Yeah, I grew up playing classical piano. Um, so, so that's, that's very near and dear to me. And, uh, you know, I love, I love everything from Broadway to opera to, uh, Stevie Wonder to James Brown and <laughs> Prince and Michael Jackson to, uh, you know, to the Beach Boys. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's all music. And if it, if it has that feeling, then, uh, then I'm, I'm down with it. <laughs> understood, understood. So being in both, cause you experienced both the academic and the real world. What is one thing you learned from both or what was the difference? Uh, well, you know, the academic world is, is what, what you make of it. Um, so in, in that sense, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a real world. Um, and the real world is, is whatever you make of it as well. So, um, I think, you know, everyone, uh, exists differently in those, in those settings. Um, you know, for me, if we're going to answer the question like, okay, how did I feel when I was in school? How did I feel when I was out of school? Um, you know, there's opportunities in both places, school, academic world. Um, for me, uh, you know, it was a chance to have a lot of other students around me, a lot of community to, to be a part of. It was a place where I could use the resources. Um, when I went to college at the University of Miami, it was the first time I had a grand piano to practice on. Um, I always grew up with an upright piano. So when I think of academic setting, I think of finally getting a chance to to be in that in in, in that room with the grand piano and find my sound on the grand piano. Um, I also had a number of great teachers in in academia. Um, in 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 high school, I went to the Manhattan School of Music pre college, and I studied with uh, Jeremy Manasia. He's a great New York jazz pianist, and he taught me so much. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, and. Uh, then when I went to college, um, I studied with Shelley Berg and, uh, he was like a mentor to me, the, the, uh, uh, the dean of the, uh, the Cross school of music and at university of Miami. And he really brought me under his wing and mentored me. So when I think of academia, I think of my great teachers, um, and I think of my mentors and I think of the great community and, and, and facilities that I had a chance to be around. Um, and, you know, I really try to take advantage of every opportunity to, to to grow and academic academic uh environment was a great uh, opportunity for me to grow um and find myself um not you know not necessarily on the on the jazz scene because a lot of people move to new york at 17 18 years old and they're they're they join the scene immediately and everyone hears them you know and hears the whole development over their whole <laughs> over their whole life um the whole you know adolescent upbringing into their 20s um, and so, you know, sometimes it can be hard to, 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 to grow in front of everyone. So I was glad I got a chance to kind of grow away from, from, from the scene and then come back when I was ready. Um, so that's, that's some of my feelings about academia, but I think it's, it's the way of the world. It's great. Um, you know, uh, jazz musicians can get scholarships to go to school. When, when I was at school, I got to study other subjects and take other classes. 
and meet other people who weren't musicians. Um, so there's so many positive things about academia, but then, you know, the real world is about finding out who, who, who you are and how you exist in the world, how you're going to make some money eventually. Well, Emmett, and, I'm uh, going with that. So yeah. <laughs> how did you see it as a student? How did you see the real jazz world? Like what was your vision? Your theolog- you know, how did you think the jazz world really was? Um, well, I, you know, I grew up in Montclair, New Jersey, and uh, there was a jam session at, in West Orange that I would go to every Tuesday night, um, and it was at this place called Cecil's Jazz Club, and it was run, uh, the club was run, owned by this man named Cecil Brooks III. He was a great drummer, and he, he was a spe- special, specialized in organ drumming. So he played with uh, all the great B3 players like Jack McDuff, Charles Erlen, Jimmy Smith, Jimmy McGriff, um, Don Patterson. And uh, the organ, the, the jam was an organ jam. So I went there, learned how to play the organ. And there wasn't so many, weren't so many organ players um, at that time in New Jersey. So, uh, you know, eventually I, I would go to the club and go, pra- they would let me practice the organ and figure it out. And um, I got really into, into playing B3. And uh, so I started doing the gig there. Um, and so the guy who run, run the band, his name is Bruce Williams. And he, uh, was, is, is from, from New Jersey. He lives in, he's from DC, but he lives in New, New Jersey. And, uh, he started calling me for the gig. And so that was one of the first professional New York type gigs I had where there wouldn't be any talking beforehand. He would just call tunes and I would know the tunes or I wouldn't know the tunes. Um, and I got a real taste of, 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 um, you know, of, of the New York scene and the New York experience and, and the skills needed to, to be a jazz musician. So I got some training pretty early. Um, you know, I was maybe 16, 17, 18 when I, when I started, um, playing there and started playing gig. And so, you know, I, I had, I had the expectation, um, of, of, of what, what this whole thing was about and what it meant. And, um, what it means to, to older musicians. And, and they, you know, they would curse me out if I wasn't playing right. They would tell me to go home and learn these tunes. Um, they were very real. And very I think aggressive. the New York jazz, yeah, I like that. The New, York, the New York jazz scene is real. And, and, uh, you know, you never know what you're going to get and you have to be strong. You have to be mentally strong to, to, to be around it. Um, because there's a lot of people that, that teach in different ways. There's a lot of people that, um, interact in different ways and you have to be able to navigate people in a certain way to, to know New York. I agree. But so what is something you would tell someone going into this right now? Um, who, who am I talking to? A brand new person <laughs> just finishing the academic world. Never been to the jazz scene. Um, I would go say visit and, 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 and explore it. Um, go to small, small to me is like the center of the jazz world. Um, just because they have a jam session there every single night. And people come from all over the world to sit in and play. And Roy Hargrove would be down there when he was alive and, and teaching people tunes and telling people not to play so many courses on the, on their solos and keep it brief and play pretty. He would just sit there and make everyone sound good all night. Some nights, some weeks he would be there every night. Um, the other guys like Johnny O'Neill, who, uh, legendary pianist and singer who go down there and mentor, mentor young musicians. Um, and you never know who's hanging out at that club. And so that's a great place to, to get started. Um, so go down there and get a taste of the, the, the scene and see, you know, meet some people. Uh, it's, it's, it's big on community here too. So you want to find your people that you, you blend with. I'm so lucky to have found a lot of great musicians so, and, in, uh, in, in, in my generation. 
Um, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you, some of them uh, are in my band. Some of them are yeah, I'm in their bands. Um, uh, Russell Hall, uh, Kyle Poole, Evan Sherman, Joe Saylor, who plays on the Late Show, Stephen Colbert now drums, um, Brian Carter, Benny Benat the Third, Tavon Pennicott. Ruben Fox. Uh, these are some of the great young uh, jazz musicians of our time. And, uh, you know, I'm so lucky to have them in, in my community, people that will come over to the house and rehearse and um, spend time working on music and we travel together. And so I'm so lucky to have found that community. I'd say to anyone that's, that's moving up here, you know, don't, don't try to do this alone. Try to try to find a community. Understood. And what is something people seem to misunderstand about the music world? Um, I don't know. That's, a, that's, that's too general. I think because that, you know, people understand, misunderstand different things. Uh, but I, I okay. think in you your know, case, the, in your case, the, since the, you get the, to travel around the, the world and the, everything, what is something that yeah. people seem to misunderstand about that? Getting um, the gigs, getting the, uh, well, well, I, I think, uh, you know, maybe people don't know what it's, what it's really like and how much it takes to, to be able to do, um, I, you know, spent a lot of better part of my life practicing the piano. Um, and I don't know, maybe some people recognize that maybe some people don't, but I think it's important that, you know, anyone who, who does this full time, um, really dedicates their life to it. Um, it's not, it's not only like, Oh, I'm going to do this as a hobby or I'm going to choose to do this. It's like, no, this is a calling. And, uh, you know, I've, I've put in hours a, a day since I'm three years old um, to learn how to play the instrument, to learn how to get a nice sound on the instrument, to get my fingers and hands to cooperate with one another. And it's uh, and, and the work never ends, you know. I'm still uh, sitting home practicing and trying to, you know, trying to trying to get better. And I think that's the that's the key. Pe- people don't under- always understand that the, that the musician is always trying to get better from yes. wherever they are so i'm Great. saying yeah i have to go home and practice guys i'll see you later and they say well you, you don't have to practice you already do this professionally you're, you're no i'm saying that and i'm saying i have to go home and practice i have to get better you don't understand that's one of the that, that's one of the things people don't understand if they're not if they're not an artist or, or a musician okay well what is something you noticed <laughs> about the music scene recently like how has it been changing something i, something I discovered yeah discovered or you noticed or somebody oh, told something you. I noticed. Yeah. Uh, uh, something I noticed about the music scene. <laughs> well, you know, as we're taping this, we're in the middle of, of one of the biggest crises the, the world has ever seen. Um, so I think it's, a, you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't even bring it up. Um, so we're talking about COVID-19. Uh, this is, uh, this is maybe like, uh, the start of the second week of the quarantine. Um, and it's, uh, it's kind of a crazy time. Um, and I have noticed that now there are no gigs. Now there are no performances. Now there are, there's no one coming to see live music. Um, there's no, there's no one coming, there's no one doing anything in, in groups. And so this is an unprecedented time. So, um, I've noticed, uh, everyone take, uh, a, a, a stand on, on, on the internet. Um, and so we streamed a live concert, uh, last Monday, um, with my trio who were kind of quarantined together with up in, up in Harlem. They all lived a block away from me. And, uh, we started, uh, trying to figure out how, how we can reach audiences online, how we can still reach our people and affect a lot of people and uplift them in this time. Um, so jazz musicians are always adapting, like I said before. 
and they're always trying to 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 find a way to to make it happen. And uh, I think that's that's been you know they're trying to find a way to develop. You know, all, all my favorite musicians they've always developed um, from from uh, you know their their twenties, and then they sound different in their thirties, and they're doing something different in their forties, and they have a totally different outlook in their fifties. And that's what a musician is about. It's about jazz musician is about embracing that change. So that's that's what I've noticed. I've, I've seen people embrace the change. Okay, so Emmett, where do you think? What do you think the state of jazz will be in 10 years? Let's go there. Assuming this all blows um, up. Yeah, the state of jazz. Um, you know, I think we're, we're in such a postmodern era where, where everyone's comfortable to do their own thing. Um, so, and you know, people always ask me, where do you see yourself in 10 years? What do you t- what's your 10-year artistic goal? And I almost feel personally like 10 years is too, is too much to make an artistic goal. You know, I can, I, I, where, what I'm going to do in the next year and the, and the next two years is kind of what will dictate what will happen the two years after that and the two years after that. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm personally, I'm working on developing, uh, my trio and, and a trio concept, um, on how to play with piano, bass, and drums. It's one of the main forms of expression in, in a, uh, for, for a jazz pianist. Um, and I'm also trying to figure out how to, how to play, uh, you know, in the style of all of the great um, Harlem stride pianists and early jazz pianists, people like Earl Father Hines and who played with Louis Armstrong and Willie the Lion Smith um, and uh, Fats Waller and Art Tatum and take those guys and, and put their their concepts kind of in the future um, and 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 use them use, use their use their music and their and their spirits in this time. Um, to communicate with, with, with the people about time. So that's what I'm, that's, that's what I've been working on for the past little while. Um, in addition to some other stuff, but, you know, I, I, I think there's no telling what the, what, what the direction, the general direction of, of everything, um, will be. But I think with the internet, everyone's a lot more niche. Everyone's doing their thing. Um, you know, it's not like, uh, it was in, in the, in, in the old days where, you know, you play the jazz festivals and you appeal to, uh, or you play the clubs and you appeal to the clientele of, of that club or that festival. Um, now it's more like, you know, you build your own individual audience and the people who, who want to hear you and want to follow you and want to be around you. And, uh, and, and you continue to grow with them. And, uh, something Christian McBride, um, told me is, you know, each time you, you are in front of your audience like that, you, you visit, uh, you, you visit them and you, and you present something new. You show them a little bit how you're going to change. And so if you visit an audience, say, you know, jazz musicians typically go to uh, a city every single year. So you saw me in Detroit. Every time I go to Detroit, I'll come and I'll bring a little something new in the music or I'll, I'll, I'll push it a little bit farther and I'll, I'll stretch the listener's ear. So, you know, hopefully in 10 years, I'll be able to stretch them, you know, uh, in, in, in a certain direction that I don't even know what it's going to sound like yet. No, that's good. That's good. I like that you're always pushing to grow as an artist. Uh, yeah. So Emmett. As a piano player, you're in far more demand than the average instrumentalist. Okay, how does that affect you over <laughs> your colleagues? How does that affect my colleagues? No, how does that affect you and your relationship with your colleagues? Um, you said with my colleague or, or my or my career? Okay, well, let's do career first. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, no, I just uh, I I I, I want to. Make sure I was hearing you right because we're on the phone here for, uh, in the COVID times. Um, but 
I think that uh, <clears throat> that being a piano player is 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 special because that you know almost every band has a piano in it, or every you know every every, every band that you'll go see has a rhythm section. So it's not only about the piano, but it's, you know the piano, bass, and drums really get a chance to do um, a lot of different variety of things. So. You know, I try to just be the best side man I can, and that 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 uh, requires having, you know, a lot of skills, being able to listen, being able to adapt very quickly, being able to um, to read music sometimes, being able to uh, play in a lot of different styles. You know, I've got to be able to 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 play play in the in the style that Branford Marsalis appreciates, but I also got to be able to play in the style that Herlin Riley appreciates, and then I have to go accompany a 90 year old singer sheila jordan um and then i got to play with some some cats that are younger than me um down at one of the late night jam sessions so um you know i just think it requires a, an openness and a versatility um that uh that, that that comes with just being open to to learn and just being you know being wide just wide open um and okay. i think you know uh I, I don't. I don't know if my co- my colleagues are particularly affected by um, all the things because everyone's doing different stuff, um, and everybody's busy in New York. Uh, oh, that's true. You know whether you, whether you whether you, whether you think you are or you're not. There's always a million things that you have to do, and it's it's crazy. You know, I'm not you're not only a musician, but you know, I'm, you, you know, you you almost have to be a small business owner. So you know, you you have to. Uh, in the daytime, I sometimes don't want to practice, but I'm like, oh, well, I got to go to the bank and the post office and the dry cleaners, um, and you know, uh, pick up uh, food uh, for the week for groceries and stuff like that. And by the time you come back, you're like so tired. You're like, oh man, I didn't even look at the music yet. Um, and the, you know, well, balancing and all that stuff is, is a real to practice. I give you that. I give you that. <laughs> so another thing. So from in the element to infinity. To the Master Series. All of them have a different vibe, at least in my opinion. Okay? Mm. So, if you could remove all the barriers, all the constraints, what type of project would you do? And who would be with you on it? Um, wow, that's a crazy project. That's a crazy uh, proposal. Uh, I am, I will say, I am lucky to, to have a band um, that, you know, we, when we did Dirty in Detroit, um, that's uh, with Russell Hall and Kyle Poole. And that's the band I've been working with for, you know, five, six years now. And so there's nothing like having a, a band that you're working with and that, that you've been playing with over and over and who know you and you can get to some really magical stuff on that. So that's one, that's one aspect of the music where you with these people and you know each other so well. When you think of some of the bands that stayed together, like a, like a lot of the great bands really only lasted five years or so. Or so. That's like this, the, the time span of a, a great band and jazz before why do you everyone think that does is? their thing. You, what, do you, what do you say? Why do you think that is? Well, if you take a look at Miles Davis and, and the first quintet with Philly Joe Jones and Paul Chambers and and, um, and uh, Wynton Kelly, um, John Coltrane, you know, I, I think all the musicians were so dynamic that they needed to go off and do their own thing. And, and Miles changed. And then he had Herbie Hank, it went through a brief transition period, but he settled on Herbie Hancock, um, Wayne Shorter, uh, Miles Davis, I mean, of, of course, and, uh, and Ron Carter and Tony Williams. And that was the second great quintet. And that lasted about five years and they did some incredible stuff. You look at John Coltrane, his band lasted about five years uh, with McCoy, Jimmy Garrison, Elvin. So a lot of those great bands just lasted five years. Um, and then 
the, then they went for, a, you know, the, the leader went for a change and all the side men went off to do um, their own thing. And so, um, you know, when I, when I think about that in, in jazz and I look, I like to look at the history and kind of, um, you know, look at myself and, and my own experiences through the lens of that um, because it helps us make decisions and, and it helps us especially navigate, you know, weird times, even though it's never going to be exactly uh, exactly the same. So Understood. Understood. Um, that's one thing I'm grateful for is a band that's, that's lasted longer than, than, than that. And, you know, is maybe at the peak of, of, of something innovative and, and great. Um, you know, maybe, maybe not, but maybe, uh, you know, maybe, pe- maybe people think that um, you never know. You never know what it is in the moment. You know, you never know what, what's happening until you look back in history and then you can see, Oh wow, that really had an effect. Um, so I, you know, I try to stay away from thinking about, thinking about, you know, what does this all do and what does this mean? Um, until, you know, you can look back, I like to keep my head down, um, and just, and just keep going. Uh, but what was was the other part of that question you wanted to know? I had something else to say, but what was the other part of the question? What type of project would you do? Okay. So, uh, aside from, uh, from having a band that's working, I think that that's the most valuable thing to me. Um, but you know, I would like to, 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 to do a project with, with some, you know, some of the, the real, um, the real legends and, and, and masters. Um, you know, I, if, if I had my, my pick, it would, I would love to do a two piano record with Kenny Barron. Um, I would like to really get some time playing with, with Winton Marsalis, which I hadn't, haven't been able to do yet, um, on, on a consistent basis and, uh, you know, learn from his concept and, and his teachings. Um, it, it would, it would be cool, you know, to, uh, be able to make music with Wayne Shorter, um, and to, to, to get a chance to be around, uh, about, around a creative mind like that or as Charles Lloyd. Um, you know, I, I really take to, to, to learning from the elders and the masters, um, the people who have been around, you know, the, 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 the scene and the world for a long time. Um, Okay, and, so you know, to me, that's that's been the most meaningful experiences that I've had. So I love to spend that time with Barry Harris, who's 89. And, and I was very close with Jimmy Heath, um, who just passed away a couple months ago. And, you know, it's it's uh, it's that, that's that's the direction where, where where my mind is headed in this time. Um, and that's why I'm, I'm dealing with the project. So I, mean, I am I am uh, pretty fortunate to be able to be around a lot of the, my heroes and a lot of the people that I wanted to to uh to have musical experiences with but you know there would be nothing like sitting down at the piano with herbie and 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 uh playing some duo or 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 chick um so you know to really experience their musicality and their sound um you know brad meldow is one of my favorite pianists too um especially for how he gets the sound out of the piano um that's that's always um you know one of the most important things about any instrument what was the best compliment you ever received uh, I would say when, when, uh, someone came up to me and said, you know, when you played that song, there was a moment in there where you went up to that note. And when you played that note, I, I just remembered all the memories I ever had with my late husband. And, um, and it made me think of him in just the best way. And I'll never forget that musical moment. Thanks for transporting me back to, 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 to those feelings. Understood. Understood. And Emmett. When, when, when someone plays, when someone, when someone has the musical moment and it makes them think of something and they say to me, I'll, I'll never forget that moment. That was so special. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm changed because of that, that, 
that really um, that really inspires me. That's a great compliment. Okay. So Emmett, before we go, we like to always ask people, and we always like to give a shout out and show respects to artists who came before us, right? So I'm going to yeah. tell you an instrument and two artists. Choose one and tell us why. Okay? <laughs> okay, okay. Clifford Brown or Lee Morgan? Oh my God. Um, I would say Clifford Brown uh, just because um, I've had some experiences listening to Clifford Brown. I think he uh, was, was was part of the part of the actual influence that that Lee Morgan had, um, and they both died so young. Um, but that some of the some of the stuff that so there's some bootlegs with Clifford Brown where he is playing the most incredible, ridiculous trumpet that's moved me um, beyond uh, beyond a, a, any any other trumpet player ever. So I love Clifford Brown. Okay. On saxophone, Wayne Shorter or Lester Young? Uh, Lester Young. Lester Young is the king. I feel like he was the greatest jazz musician, or at least top three who ever lived. Um, and his, the sounds that came out of the, the, the saxophone were so sweet, so human, so just full of life and humor and everything. And also Lester Young created his own language. Um, he, he named, uh, Lady Day. He, he was around Billy Holiday. He was, to me, was everything. That's, that's, that's my man. Okay. On bass, Ray Brown or Ron Carter? Wow. <laughs> I've, I've spent a lot of time with Ron Carter and, and I never got a chance to meet Ray. Um, so for me personally, I have a, 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 a lot more, um, connection with Ron Carter. Uh, he's been a mentor to me. I've, I've played a few weeks at the Vanguard with him. Um, and I've really gotten to a vibe with him. He's invited me to his house for Christmas and mentored me and, and really been there for me in some, in some times. And, uh, I think he's one of the most creative musicians who ever, ever lived. And I'm going to go through Ron Carter. Okay. On drums, Max Brown or Chick Webb? Uh, Max Roach or Chick Webb? Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to go with Max Roach um, just because I, I, I've, I've, I've uh, been around all of the great drummers who um, have told me of Max's uh, power and his facility and his and his power power to, ability to innovate. Um, and I think he was like kind of the father of of bebop drums in a big way and so everyone that came after him was was checking him out and so mass roach lives through all of those great drummers okay art tatum or mccoy turner god without without uh <clears throat> without art tatum there would be no mccoy Turner. you can hear especially when mccoy plays solo piano how much um of art tatum's concept is in there um it's not note for note but it's 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 the, the, the way he uses his facility is, is uh, on par with the genius of Art Tatum. Um, but I think, uh, I think McCoy hailed Art Tatum and so do I. I love McCoy to death. Uh, but there was no one that ever played piano and ever will play piano like Art Tatum. <laughs> understood. Understood. Well, once again, before we go, Emmett, where could people find your stuff? Your social media, your website? Well, yeah, if you go to emmettcohen.com, that's E-M-M-E-T-C-O-H-E-N, emmettcohen.com. Uh, it's a good place. You can find everything there. Uh, you know, also on Instagram or Facebook, Emmett Cohen. Um, very easy to find. 
So I hope you'll uh, find me there. Stay in touch. Feel free to uh, to come to a concert and say hi when everything uh, settles down. Understood, understood. And yeah, thanks for the great thanks for the great questions and the and, and the insight and everything. It's been great talking with you, Leander. Thank you, man. It's great to have you on. And once again, everyone, this is Leander Young with another episode of Improv Exchange. Have a good day. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you use. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange.